All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? And it's time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are live once again, once again, talking about all that good comic goodness and nerdy news as we do every good week for you folks. This week, episode episode 59, yes, 59, is a special one for us folks, so get ready for a, a best episode ever, because it's going to be a emotional episode, so get ready for that. Um... <laughs> that was the weirdest way I could have phrased that. Emotional. Um, don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, um, Audible, and Amazon Music, Pandora. Uh, basically, anywhere you want to listen to a podcast besides SoundCloud, we are on there. So please check, check out all those platforms. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on getting an Audible um uh, affiliate link for us because I feel like that'd be really cool if we could do that since we're actually on Audible because it's honestly it's been kind of nice when I'm done reading a book I can listen to some of our old episodes and it's been kind of fun so check us out if you want to listen to us on one of Amazon's uh, services or any other service please let us know and uh, follow us and subscribe to us there uh, we will be setting up Apple subscriptions soon where you can get special content like the bl- the extra little bloopers we recorded before we started where Mary defended uh, a weird ship that we will not talk about right now and shut uh, up, other- <laughs> shut up. Other- don't call me out like that <laughs> too late that we are planning on uh, putting up for you folks uh, so you will be able to uh, uh, put up a small fee to subscribe to us and help out support the ch- the, the podcast um, don't forget you can follow us on twitter at ptp underscore podcast where you can talk to our social media manager ian about all things common goodness where he was able to to do a really cool thing and shout out gail Simone on her birthday the other day which was really cool everyone loved that so make sure you talk to him and have a good time as we're doing uh, super cool stuff on the interwebs and you can check out the website on dash comics dash ground.com for all kinds of uh reviews previews solicitations and more every uh weekday yes uh, for uh, you good folks out there, we are coming. <laughs> hey, man, it's been a rough year, okay? Rough two years, but we're getting back into the swing of things. So, uh, we are going to jump straight into this episode for you folks. So, um, how do I phrase this in a interesting, like, a, not an interesting way, but like a good way?
Um, so- and the like the information that uh, came to me that he had passed, I was hurting because I knew my my sister was hurting, and I knew that the minute we were all good and we were back up on our feet, I needed to to, to have her speak on this man for a whole episode. So, Mary, let's talk about your dad. Yeah, my dad's dead. <laughs> Why did you have to do it like that? I tried to be so on point, like so respectful. That's why I had to. My dad w- was a smart ass bastard, and if anybody would have appreciated that, it would have been him. Oh. So, <laughs> my dad, um, he passed away a few months ago, and it was you know his name is Calvin. And it was from a degenerative brain disease that we strongly suspect could be CTE. Uh, chronic, I'm, you know, I'm dyslexic. I can't pronounce that shit. So CTE, it's what a lot of the uh, NFL players are dying from, is repeated head trauma. He was uh, an explosives expert in the Marine Corps um, in the 70s and 80s. So they were still using those massive, like, what is Hellfire cannons from Vietnam, and it's a mounted cannon right next to your head. Oh. Yeah. Travis, okay? I hope so. Yeah, I'm cool. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I'm just getting some weird feedback. Making sure you're not oh. dead. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. But it's those big, uh, you know, Hellfire Dragonfire cannons or whatever that are mounted right next to your head. And they, you know, your brain rattles in your skull when um, impact and forces hit it like that. And the um, army of neurologists that we eventually took him to see him to said he could have had, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of micro concussions as a result. And um, there were just repeated concussions throughout his life. And that just it turns your brain into goop. And from diagnosis to his death, it, you know, from, you know, I'm using air quotes here, diagnosis, because CTE can only be diagnosed post- post-mortem because they actually have to take your brain out and look at it. But from, you know, the time we got the diagnosis that something was wrong to his death was about 13 years or so. So yeah. this, this has been a long, very slow decline. Um, the decline is similar to that of dementia or slow-moving Alzheimer's. So it was, you know, he would lose a bit of himself every day. And it was always just, it was very, very difficult to watch. And, um, he was eventually put in a nursing home because it was just more care than anyone could have provided. And that's, that is where he passed away. Um, Victoria, my wife Victoria and I, we were with him when it happened. And that's a visual that's difficult to shake. But um, it was, it was a long day. He passed very early in the morning. And um, it's been a rough couple of months for me, as one would expect. I was very close to my dad. And uh, this all rounds about to my love of comic books. And it was all because of my dad. Dad was very into comic books and he used them frequently throughout my life to, you know, kind of help me get my way in the world or help me learn. Um, He first, my dad was born in 58 and he first started buying comic books and I want to say the mid 60s. So, you know, think about all of the comic books that came out in the mid 1960s. Dad had a lot of them. 
He had a lot of the original Fantastic Four. He had a lot of the original oh. X-Men. Like, he was a grade school kid. And, you know, that's kind of the primo market for comics at the time. And then he enlisted in the Marine Corps. And my grandma thought he didn't want them anymore. So she threw them all away. Oh, oh God. That yep. hurts my heart. Oh. Pour, one, pour one out for what could have been my college fund. <laughs> oh, bro. No, just in general, because there's so many horror stories of, like, either war bonds or just parents throwing away comics that would be worth so much money these days. And it just hurts oh, my heart, bro. My mother-in-law, her father, so I guess my grandfather, father-in-law or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, similar situation. He joined the military and he bought comic books in the 30s and 40s. And his mother... So, like, my great-grandmother-in-law, I don't know how that show works, uh, when he enlisted into the army, she burned him because she was just burning extra garbage. So they literally went up in flames. That hurts my heart, bro. It, it hurts my heart. <clears throat> but, um, so comic books, you know, from very early childhood meant a lot to my dad. And, you know, it was something that, you know, even after he got out of the Marine Corps, he kept up with for a very long time. And he finally kind of fell off the wagon in around the mid-90s. And that's because, you know, I was a kid at the time. And children are expensive, and comics are typically one of the first things to get cut. Jeez, Mary, look what you did. I know, I know, I'm <laughs> terrible. But, you know, so just before... Um, some of the comics that I do still of his that I do still have are like the really early '90s, like extreme one. Oh god, I fucking love them. Oh my god, <sighs> I love it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my dad's books from the '70s and '80s were lost uh, when we actually had a pipe burst in our bathroom. Oh no! And dad had one of the little spinner racks in the bathroom because, well, you know, <laughs> dad, dads, um. <laughs> And unfortunately, a lot of ones that are were on the bottom levels, they just got fucking ruined. Damn. I mean, you know, you pick, it's a newsprint, so it's like the consistency of wet newspaper. Yeah. <clears throat> so I only have a few full, admittedly very full comic boxes, but I only have a few boxes left of mm -hmm. the books that he had. And my dad was one of those buys them to read them, but not necessarily to like keep them in, you know, readable condition. Mm-hmm. So I'm missing a lot of covers. That's depressing. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> and my encyclopedic knowledge of comics and particularly characters and their origins actually comes from the fact that my dad feverishly bought those little encyclopedia books. But, you know, Bro, I with... love those. Because Marvel released a bunch in single issue format. And... Really? Oh, yeah. Like, uh -oh. if you would, you would open them up and it would be a full wraparound issue of all of those heroes with the names in that particular letter. And it was a full in-depth, it had, like, their marital status, their alignment, their various aliases, their origins, like. It was literally, like, just codex entries. Wow. And so, so that is why I have so much bizarre knowledge about obscure history facts. That's kind of baller. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's the height of allergy season, and then I decided to do an episode where I'm going to be talking a bunch. How dare you? <laughs> so good job, Mary. Oh, good don't on, worry. Man. Next week you'll get somewhat of a break, because it'll be me and Travis yelling into a void. Uh, I'm good with that. 
And then you, well, you'll have your moments because you're going to want to bitch oh, yeah. about stuff that happens. James, I always want to bitch about stuff. Yeah, but next week's going to be different. It's our first roast in months. Oh, God, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> Sometimes you just like to be a petty bitch. Yeah. So, uh, Dad would frequently... I, I've picked a few bullet points of how he would use comics with me as a kid. And um, he would... You know, my dad was a... He never got quite got to finish college, but he was still a very well-educated man. You know, he traveled the entire world when he was in the Marine Corps, and he was a gigantic nerd. So he would, you know, he would take all the opportunities to go see all of these um, fantastic world monuments and whatnot. He said that going into the Marine Corps was both the best and worst decision he ever made. Um, except I love telling this story and he's going to rise up and just beat me to death. <laughs> uh, he was in Rome. And they went sightseeing all over Rome. Like, they went to the Vatican. The one place my dad didn't go was the goddamn Colosseum. Wow. Completely slipped his mind until they were back on the boat. And, you know, leaving those waters. And he's like, God damn it, I forgot to go to the Colosseum. And he made a, he, he, he's like, you know what? I will go back to, you know, I will go back to Rome and I will see the Colosseum. Guess what? He never did. And everyone teased him mercilessly for that for years. <laughs> but anyway, it's, we, my family, we all like to be dicks to each other. No, well, that's fucking hilarious. It's how we show we love each other. But, um, well, because Dad used to say, if you don't want to take the time to be a dick to somebody, then, you know, that's when you don't care about them. Exactly. If but... I don't like you, I can't fuck with you. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, you gotta be able to fuck with people. But, um, so Dad really studied philosophy very heavily. You know, he studied it in college, you know, philosophy, poetry, yada, yada. Which uh, is very ironic because guess where my dyslexia comes from? Oh. Yeah, he couldn't read Shakespeare very well, but, you know, he wanted to, he had that same kind of tenacity that I did where you really want to overcome it. So he would have one of his good friends read him passages and dad would memorize entire, you know, scenes, acts, plays. The man could recite Shakespeare for memory just by, like, pulling it out of his ass. Like, but, um, he wanted to make philosophy accessible to me when I was a kid. And the character that he would do that the most with was Superman. Because if you think about philosophical superheroes, he's the first one that pops into every bench. Yeah, especially with all the controversies that's been going on recently. Exactly. And so this was, you know, late 80s, early 90s Superman. So it was a lot of Dan Jurgens, And, you know, that's where a lot of... Um, social commentary with superman happened i mean superman's always been social commentary mm -hmm. and um you know so so let's put a random number on it say maybe this is like 96 or whatever and you know the berlin wall came down just a few years prior um you know we're seeing the end of desert storm so there's a lot of turmoil going on internationally you know it's just it's the the clinton administration you know so there's a lot going on and dad was really concerned about opinions that i would get about refugees just from school and pop culture osmosis and things like that so my dad was a marine and for better or worse he was unwaveringly patriotic even in the worst of times so, um, 
you know, we would sit down, we had this ancient ass porch swing and dad would be on the porch with, you know, one of his trademark cigars or his pipe and we'd have comic books. Of course, you know, dad went to, I'm sure every country in Europe, went in the Marine Corps trying to find Cuban cigars. (laughs) But, um, uh, so we'd sit on the porch swing and he'd have a comic book and, you know, I'd be sitting next to him. He probably also shouldn't have been smoking with me that close, but eh, it was the 90s. (laughs) It was the 90s. Nobody knew what danger was. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, actually, fun fact, seatbelts were not required in all vehicles until 1997. Yep. Fun history fact, kids. But, um, and like I said, he was afraid of opinions and attitudes I would pick up about refugees because... You know, the city where I live, uh, there is a very high population at the time of Bosnian refugees coming in from the Serbian conflict over there. And, like, I went to high school with a lot of people who, you know, came from that area and were refugees. And Dad sat me down and, you know, Superman's origin has been talked about a gajillion times. And Dad very carefully pointed out that Superman was from a different place. And, you know, he dumbed it down for, you know, my five, six-year-old self. Um, And he said that, look, you know, Superman is from another place and he came here as a baby. And, um, you know, they, they, they took him in and he grew up here. You know, he was adopted. You know what being adopted is. And, you know, talk to me about how just because people weren't born in the born in the U.S. doesn't mean that they're not Americans kind of a thing. And he really tried to push that egalitarian mindset that Superman represents so wholeheartedly. Um, And admittedly, he used both Superman and Supergirl as stories of this because Supergirl actually very much lines up with the refugee narrative more than Superman himself does. Because, you know, Kara was, you know, fully aware of Kryptonian society when the planet was destroyed. So, you know, we would talk about that as well. See, I really liked Supergirl when I was a kid because, you know, Superman but girl. <laughs> so, um, my God, it's just, it's easy to think about, but I find myself kind of sputtering trying to put it into words. Because, you know, we'd just sit there and he would point at certain things and say, you know, this is what you should do. Like, you know, if you see somebody, you know, um, getting bullied or whatnot, you know, you need to be like Superman. You need to step in and say, hey, you need to stop, you know, kind of a thing. And he used, you know, he used kind of that philosophical nature saying that don't just stand back and let things happen. You know, and he would always say, don't, you know, just remember if, you know, if you can be like Superman. And um, dad even used to read comics to some of the kids at my elementary school, which, again, hilarious because he had dyslexia. He would read anything that was not Dr. Seuss because Dr. Seuss was a nightmare (laughs) for him. And honestly, it's a nightmare for me, too. I cannot read that. That makes sense. Just because it's so, like, too many things, you know, it's too rhymey, it's, oh, God. <laughs> if you're genuinely curious, just kind of, like, Google how dyslexics read, and that's, it's about accurate, it's difficult. But, um, 
And that kind of brings me into my second point, because when I say that my dad loved comics, he loved every kind of comic. I unfortunately have a lot of very early Liefeld. <laughs> oh, my God. Dad. Oh, no, he was a Liefeld fan. No. Oh. He just my, lost so many points with me. My dad bought a little bit of everything. So I want to use Liefeld as kind of a pinpoint to show the absolute range. And admittedly, this is just a lot of the early stuff Liefeld drew, thankfully written by their people. Ugh. Dad was dad hooked on image really quickly. He really liked image. I actually have the I have the original Wildcats trade, actually. I really want to go back and explain to your dad what what he was what what Liefeld did to stem the the Jack Kirby's widow so badly. I re- I really want to. Like uh, da- dad would have been very pissed off. So rest exactly. assured that. Admittedly, I I probably doubt he even knew Liefeld from a hole in the ground. Like, ugh, just like ugh. my dad love my dad loved the macho crap. Like, you know, Steven Seagal's Under Siege was a family film in my household. You know, I, Steven Seagal has a knife fight with Tommy Lee Jones, and I vividly remember watching that as a child. See, I just, so many pockets, bro. So many pockets. Oh, my dad believed in pockets. Oh. <laughs> he, he would wear overalls and carry a satchel when he would go for walks. That's awesome. So, yeah, we actually, uh, uh, at the funeral, uh, we actually had Dad in a pair of brand new overalls because that man wore overalls every wait, day wait, of his life. Wait, wait. <laughs> you put him in overalls? The last time my father wore a collared shirt, I'm like an actual collared shirt suit jacket kind of a situation, was the day my parents got married. Wow. My dad's parents, so my paternal grandparents, were from Tennessee. And, like, I, I have a picture on the dresser behind me of my dad. I want to say it's in, like, the late 80s with my great-grandmother, and he's wearing fucking overalls. Like, so, no, we had a t-shirt that had his favorite Chesty Puller quote, and Chesty Puller was a Marine Corps uh, officer. He's legendary. Um, and a pair of overalls. That Victoria, God love her, the day after he died, I want to say within a few days after he died, uh, Victoria went out to try and find overalls. Wow. And uh, he also had a sword, too. A sword? I I almost wish we had pictures of him in the cat. Overalls and a sword? That was my father. Like, (laughs) that was my father. Overalls and a goddamn sword. Like, that's epic bro that's pretty good oh, yeah. honestly <laughs> and uh because he was wearing overalls he had because my parents were in a medieval recreation group it's like the civil war reenactor but for medieval nerds so larping uh, yes and no it's the society for creative anachronism it's a little hard to describe but just they're all giant history nerds uh-huh. and my mom leaned really hard into our Swedish heritage, and Dad was a Viking berserker because Vikings are fun, you know? Yeah. And so there was actually a tourney, and unfortunately, a lot of this fighting is how he got concussions because it simulated medieval combat. So that plus military equals dying in your early 60s, apparently. Um, Sorry, Mom. But... um. 
I believe it was like a grand melee where he actually ended up winning a solidly constructed um, archaeological replica of a Viking sword that they found, I believe, in Berka, which is a massive Viking, if you will, uh, archaeological dig in Sweden. So it's it's hefted like a Viking sword. And granted, these swords, historically, they weren't made to cut. They were made to break. So they didn't cut off your arm, but it shattered every bone in your arm. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. The sword's probably, oh, my God, over five feet long. So uh, we had it in the casket with him and wrapped around his hands were his Catholic rosary and his Catholic baptismal candle. Wow. So that's just a bit of my dad in a nutshell. But uh, to kind of pull myself back from a tangent, um, dad would often try to read to, you know, kindergartners and first graders, second graders when I was in elementary school. And one day, one of the little boys that, um, because I believe it was a kindergarten class, and one of the little boys who was black had been wearing a Superman shirt. And dad witnessed an altercation between a couple of the kids and one kid saying that um, the little boy can't wear a Superman shirt because there are no black superheroes. Or that, you know, black people couldn't be superheroes. And um, the exact nature of the setup, I did not find out until years later because, you know, dad's not going to recount that story to me in its entirety. So um, it may have been the same day. It may have been a few days later, but I went out on the porch to sit with my dad and he had a stack of comics that he wanted to talk to me about. And they were milestone books. Because dad, I obviously, you know, he interceded in the altercation, but, you know, they're kindergartners. So reasoning, uh, I don't understand children. So I'm just going to assume the situation was handled appropriately children terrify me they're just little goblins god particularly like that young like i i want to apologize to my dad for ever being that young (laughs) any anyway mary doesn't want kids sorry mom oh come on you and victoria would be great parents no no we would not i i really think y'all would be baller parents do not make me go get her like i i like being an aunt I I have, you know, two nephews and a niece, and I, I dig that. My bro- I have an older brother, and he can do the kid stuff. I'll be honest with you, it kind of just sounds like you don't want to deal with all the negative effects of a child. <laughs> because, I mean, like, like, literally, I you mean, and Victoria raised the most baller-ass kid, and you're just saying no because you don't want to deal with children. It's like, y'all would make the most baller-ass kid ever. I feel like I personally am not a <laughs> like attentive enough to have a child like i just don't know if that's something i could feel comfortable doing i mean to be fair once they get to six you can start teaching them things and like i can trust cc with a few things and later on i'll be able to trust her with more things <laughs> i mean but travis you're probably a better parent than i would be see ah, i don't think about it like that people think i'm a bad parent and shit because like i talk to cc like she's a grown-ass woman <laughs> and I cuss well, so much because, that we actually that's have because to have you a... respect your daughter, like. Well, that's true too. But on the on the same hand, it's like like I don't know. I cuss a lot in front of her, and I don't really filter what we watch because I try to be like, "Hey, you're six. You're not supposed to understand this stuff. So just enjoy the music or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Um, 
But I don't know. There's the only way you can be a bad parent is if they're not fed, they're dirty, and don't have anywhere to live. You know what I mean? You just gotta keep them alive, fed, and clean, and love them. That's it. It's way easier than you think. <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to pitch having a pet. Oh my god! Just clean the cage. Make sure they've got food. Like isn't that like Mary Gosh? They're Honestly. very similar, but like a pet <laughs> is like lower maintenance than a child. Like, Let me put it this way: I I will leave that to Victoria, who works in foster care. Ooh. Ooh, so that's I, why y'all don't want no kids. <laughs> I will let, let her figure that out. She that's why y'all don't want no kids. She loves working with kids, but she also likes being able to like give them back. Be away from them. Yeah. Uh, no, Victoria works with foster parents and foster kids, and I think that may have killed any vibe she wanted to have children. See, I've never dealt with that world. I dealt with like the easy way, where my genetics are like. This is your genetics being passed on. Love it with everything you have. And that's like kind of just like me being you, an animal. You, 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 you didn't pull out, did you, Travis? No. Because no, my yeah, mother no. might listen to this. All right. Let's and honestly, honestly, I'm a homosexual. So I want to, you know, do as nature intended. And like, you know, I, I feel like I as a cis homosexual... You know, it, it's just nature's population control, you know? Ma- ma'am, have, have you met Neil Patrick Harris? He takes his kids to Disney World every five days. Not literally, but, like, he, he, he's, he and his husband are great parents. You could do it, too. You ain't special. Do you want to try and convince Victoria? I wouldn't, See, that, that wouldn't, that wouldn't go I also well. have this image of Mary being like, no, no, no. Put Batwoman down, and then, like... <laughs> Disaster strikes. Like, <laughs> let me let me give you an example of the parenting that I got. Let's My go. dad taught me how to use a chainsaw. Sounds <laughs> dope, right? No. Right. How old were you? How old were you? Five. Let <laughs> <laughs> me choke on my beer. Oh my god. Less dope. Less he dope. Suddenly, he, he held he held the weight while I chopped through the branch. And I went inside and excitedly told my mom what we had done. And my mom almost had a damn heart attack and she lit into my dad. And my dad said, what? She was wearing safety goggles. <laughs> God, your dad. <laughs> so like, I'm going to just use this as the opportunity to say, as I've said before, like from the stories that you've told us, like about your dad, I kind of like aspire to be able to take like, Cece's favorite works of fiction and like pull a lesson out of it and like yeah. hand it to her like that. And on the same hand, I was 100% and still am that parent. <laughs> I haven't done it with a chainsaw. That's a little extreme. Hey, hey, I was wearing safety goggles. Nothing could have gone wrong in that situation. But uh, my, da- my dad was very much, uh, you know, here, play with these matches and figure out fire's hot kind of a thing. You'll learn. Wow. You're gonna go yourself again now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but that day we settled down on the porch with a stack of milestone books that he had gone out to get. And I think he had some of them because I have a lot of early, because I have Icon's first issue and a lot of Icon's early stuff. Dad really liked Icon. Dad loved any Superman variant, to be completely honest. Are you, are, did you go pick up the new issue? Oh, God, not yet. Oh, Victoria. We've been limiting our excursions during the pandemic. Honestly, it literally is just a rehash of issue one from the original run, so you're not missing much. 
And I'm kind of disappointed with what's been out. No, Static 1 was very, like, by the book, but the new issue was really good. I will say that. Like, Vita had to set the groundwork, they did what they needed to do, and then the new issue... I hate that the new issue pretty much just outed Virgil out the gate. That kind of pissed me off. But, like, I'm excited to see what, like, their plans are. Because Vita has a really cool thing going here, and I want to see what they're throwing down. And then the Icon book, Reggie is very much like, I'm going to stick to what what is known. I'm not going to dive too far off the pot. And I'm like, okay, whatever, that's fine. You're you're rehashing for the sake of new readers. Okay, issue two, you better pick up up your feet and do something with it. But we settled in with that. And, you know, he said, you know, something basically to the effect of, I want you to make sure that you understand that anybody and everybody can be a superhero. So he started walking through and he did allude to comparisons between Icon and Superman because he wanted me to make that connection in my head that, you know, okay, here's Superman and here's this other character who is similar to Superman. So, you know, in my six-year-old brain, I would understand the connection between the two. And, you know, we would walk through it and he would point out, you know, Icon doing superhero things and... <laughs> it's really good. You should get ready for a bath. <laughs> I love her sass. I love it. We'll talk about it later, but you're gonna bathe tonight, okay? Go on back. You're gonna bathe tonight. I love it so much. <laughs> I feel like this is a perfect episode for CC to pipe in. Right? <laughs> like, that talk about that stuff. Like, this is perfect. Yeah. But, you know, and he he would say, and I remember very clearly him saying that just because, you know, somebody is Black or is, you know, uh, Hispanic or Asian, he said that doesn't limit who can become a superhero. And I know it sounds a little too much like an after-school special a la 1998. Mm-hmm. But... I, I think, you know, my, my dad was a worldly man and he did a lot of things that, you know, in my dad's mind, everybody was an American to him, you know, and everyone, again, my father was unwaveringly patriotic at the worst of times, <clears throat> but, you know, he wanted to make sure that everybody got treated with that same level of respect and decency and compassion that, you know, it was our job as, you know, people to be like Superman and make sure that everything was safe for everyone. And he wanted to make damn well sure that I any notion like that in my head of, oh, okay, because, you know, these people are white. I guess that means the little kid with the super, little black boy with the Superman t-shirt can't be a superhero, you know? And I very much appreciate those lessons because he also didn't sugarcoat it for me either and he would say you know look you know when i was a bit older i want to say maybe around 10 or so that's when we got into broader conversations about representation because um that was something that weighed on him very heavily that you know there wasn't a more um spread out representation God, I cannot talk tonight, Jesus. <laughs> you got this. 
but he would often uh seek out you know what representation he could find because i know um like i said that's where my milestone collection that's where it got started is that i actually had a decent start and i had to replace some of them because why would you let the covers fall off dad (laughs) i buy him to read them shut up but um and he was very blunt about it that you know he would flat out say you know look this is wrong that you know i should be able to open up and you know he uh, storm for example he talked about storm because this was probably around 2000 when the first x-men movie came out everyone take a second and feel really old um and i remember asking something to the effect of why is storm the only black person there you know because that's you know that's about the age where you start to get a bit more self-aware of just the wider scale of what representation is kind of a thing and you start to really pick up on the intricacies or at least you know this is the case for white people and dad looked at me and i remember this very clearly he said because people are fucking stupid like and you know he would use that and tied it into a larger conversation about um you know the civil rights movement the civil war for example oh my god my dad was obsessed with you know war history basically because the man was a marine and stacks upon stacks of books about the civil war and i did not i do not i am almost 30 years old and i do not miss having to dust that goddamn bookshelf (laughs) and you know my dad was very very adamant that people know the truth of history so at no point was my dad doing the whole oh you know it was about states rights blah 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 and you know keep in mind my dad's parents were from the south and he said no the the entire civil war was about the fact uh, you know that slavery they wanted to they wanted to keep their slaves because the you know the the i believe the word he used was Oh, God. Pig bitches, I think, was the word he used. We just wanted to protect our land from them northerners. He called them pig pig bitch plantation owners. But, uh, you know, Dad Dad told me about about a story where uh, he and his buddy went down to Tennessee to see my uh, great aunts and great uncles, and they went out to a bar. And, you know, they were, you know, they may have been my grandmother's children, but they were firmly Yankees, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, have you ever seen Deliverance? Oh my god. That's, <laughs> that's oh my the god. kind of... Is this oh, where the Travis, overalls are coming from? Travis, they're Tennessee mountain folk. Oh yeah, no, my, my great uncle, uh, my great uncle Wiley, we went to see, we went for a, a big visit when I was a kid, and um, he had a still somewhere, wouldn't tell us where it was, because you never know when the government's gonna try to come and bust his still. But no, no, they are Tennessee mountain folk. So it, it's not like respectable Southern. It's, you know, the uh, don't go into the woods at night, you know, because you never know what's out there, Southern. It's the, hey, can you show me where, where Walmart is? Back the way you came. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. We went on this trip and my mother, God love, my mother is from Cleveland. Hey, Cleveland. Um, so my mom's from Cleveland, you know, downtown metropolitan Cleveland. And so you take this poor woman and drop her in the middle of the Cumberland Gap in Tennessee. Because my uncle Wiley, 
my great uncle's house was built into the side of the mountain. <clears throat> oh man, that's one of those I was born in this house, I'm gonna die in this house type of motherfuckers then. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. And uh actually, fun story about that, they lost their original land. Oh wow. Let's see if I can do anything about that. Because their original land was uh flooded after the Manhattan Project. Oh, the Manhattan Project, you know, the ones where they made the atomic bombs that we then dropped on Japan. Uh-huh. And another fun fact is that they would dump some of that nuclear waste just in the water supply because we didn't understand it. Oh. So that's the water that my family would, you know, drink from and do their laundry in. It's so. confirmed. Mary's families are mutants. It's, it's confirmed. Actually... <laughs> My dad had a spinal condition where he was missing a vertebrae entirely. Oh my god. Oh my god. And the one on top was twice the size that it should be, and the one underneath was half the size that it should be. So the man had chronic back pain that started to um uh um oh my god, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like started to pop up when um he entered his 30s when certain things or proteins or whatever kind of from you know the ones that keep you young and happy those start to kind of like go away and it seemed like whatever was there wore down over time and the issue started to present itself so the i mean the man walked with a cane for most of his um middle age life and he would often use that cane to hit people <laughs> but anyway like some flashback <laughs> it was it was but uh, my dad's cane was solid wood and oh, there was oh. there was one time he was taking the dog on a walk through the park and he'd taken the dog off the leash dog's name was bjorn uh he was half chow half labrador so just the most adorable ball of black fluff he looked like a little black cloud but um no he oh god he was such a good dog um, he had taken him off leash and let him run around the park and Bjorn liked to play in the and play in the uh, little creek there. And these couple teenage kids kind of came up seeing an older looking guy with a cane thinking it's an easy mark. Oh, now the park, no, 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 no. And now this park is by the riverbank. So there's a lot of trees around. So it's very secluded. There's a lot of flood dike worked. So it's, you know, very walled in. And, um... Dad just kind of turned around, and I think one of them had some kind of like a pocket knife or whatever. And Dad just picked up his cane and apparently beat these boys about the head and shoulders. Hell yeah. And then he lets out a whistle, and Bjorn comes tearing up out of the water, all teeth and snarl. And so, you know, we weren't there for this, but he comes back home, and we're just hanging out. It's like a Sunday, and Dad goes inside to get a dish towel and is wiping blood off of his cane. And so told... your dad is stick. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's just, you know, casually wiping blood off of his cane. And mom's like, oh, my God, what the hell happened? And he said, what happened? And she's like, I'm calling the police. He says, why bother? They won't do it again. <laughs> and, like, in that moment, I was not convinced that he didn't kill them and just roll them into the river. <clears throat> but, um... So, like, my my dad was a very strange, very complicated figure. I mean, you know, they're from Tennessee Mountain Folk, and to the to pulling back from the tangent to the tangent about, you know, uh, dad and his feelings about history in the Civil War, 
he and his buddy went out drinking at the bar in that area of Tennessee. And they were getting, you know, these are, you know, good old boys. They're getting rowdy, hooting and hollering. And my dad said, hey, watch this. He would have been about, what, 23, 24 at the time, maybe. Uh, stood up, raised his beard and said, the South will rise again. And everybody started hooting and hollering. And dad said, just high enough to kiss a Yankee's ass. And then they Ugh. ran. Wow. They ran. Apparently, yeah. they, apparently, they ran all the way back to Wiley's house. Wow. Smart, claimed, because they're he, asking he, for it. Oh, yeah, no, he claims one of these guys brought out one of his guns that he kept in the truck. Oh, my God. But uh, that's the kind of suicidal bravery my father had in the early 20s, in his early, in his early years. Wow. But Dad, you know, he genuinely believed in just the truth of history and i think a lot of what is happening now would have great greatly upset him um fortunately <laughs> from a certain perspective um he was completely non-community community com oh god i have a stutter the word? communicative good job um i'm I'm getting emotional, so my stutter is really kicking up. Honey, I have a stutter all the time. I totally understand. But um, he wasn't there anymore during the entire Trump administration. Uh -huh. So that was nice <laughs> from, a certain, from a certain perspective. But um, <clears throat> uh, um, when, a lot of these, we did. when a lot of these uh, high-profile cases, I remember... Um, it was the Trayvon Martin verdict because we were watching the news when that verdict dropped and my dad, he just got real quiet. He went outside because he was just ashamed and upset that, you know, this was a child that, you know, should have been protected and wasn't. And the man who butchered him wasn't even brought to justice. And yeah. my dad put so much faith in the legal system throughout his life. And it's just. He was just real quiet the rest of the night. So, you know, all of the Black Lives Matter protests and whatnot, I think it would have broken his heart. I really genuinely do. Um, when the National Guard fired on, pro you know, launched the tear gas at protesters so Trump could go take that bullshit uh, picture oh, in front of that. Lafayette uh, Park. Lafayette yeah. Park. He would have wept. There are literal protests in Lafayette Park daily. Uh-huh. Yeah. Daily. And I mean, and the fact, you know, my father would have been absolutely aghast with the fact that the U.S. military was taking, you know, what is considered militaristic action against its own citizens. Like, it, it would have broken his heart completely. And honestly, I consider it a mercy that he didn't have to see that. Like... I mean, I know this was supposed to be about comic books, but I could sit here and tell ridiculous story after ridiculous story. <laughs> no, this was your time, and you're doing it well, so that's what matters. Like, uh, One of my favorite stories is um, shortly after 9-11, and I want to say this is maybe within a week after 9-11, there was a Muslim family that lived in the neighborhood, and their son Muhammad went to elementary school, and... Um, we all shopped at the same grocery store because, you know, the neighborhoods in the city are very tight knit. 
and um we all shopped at the same grocery store so you know we were all making our usual sunday trip because you know that's when they had the best specials i don't know why i'm explaining grocery stores to people oh by the way <laughs> grocery stores have sales sometimes hey man yeah, they do it's pretty baller Hel helpful tip to the average consumer um but um we went in we did our shopping and we ran into muhammad and his parents and we stopped and said hello they were uh afghan refugees that uh had come over after desert storm uh, at least i Oof. think at least i think that was the case but um i i remember very clearly the fact that they were afghan but um you know we you know exchanged pleasantries and i remember it being very they were very tense and looked very uncomfortable um the father kept kind of looking around understandably so and we part ways and we finish our shopping and as we're going back into the parking lot we hear yelling and you know we all kind of stick our heads out because this is the midwest and we're nosy um and we see these young guys given muhammad and his family shit and they've got his dad on his back against the car he's trying to get his wife and son into the car and these guys just will not stop i mean they're called think of any colorful name you can think of and that's what they were calling this poor man and his family and in a second my dad is gone and he's come stomping up and my dad was a bear of a man like in his boots because he wore like you know these specially constructed boots that were designed <laughs> like to support his arches but also to like bust people in half nice <laughs> his shoe size was 13 triple e oh that's a that's a that's a breaker right there that's someone who's gonna bust a, a whole foot up someone's ass yeah yes. and the boots were rubber soles and steel toes oh so um so oh so with those boots he was well over six feet tall i mean you know very just very large and at this point he had his my dad always had a beard and it was at this point it was still very red so you know he came up looking like a fucking demon and picks one of these guys up by the neck and just slams him down on the parking lot and you know kind of I, I you know vaguely remember shoving the other dude back and mom's like god damn it get in the car and you know so she's trying to get my brother and i in the car and you just hear my dad go off basically saying this man and his family are just trying to shop he any you know pulls back and my dad's favorite thing to do was to take those 13 triple e steel-toed boots mm -hmm. and step on people's necks oh so he put a foot on this man's neck and kind of like held the other one in, you know, grabbed him by the shirt and held him close and basically said, this man is more of an American than you will ever hope to be. Hell yeah. And of course, someone in the, in the grocery store called the police. They had a payphone right there. The cops come. My mom's trying to explain. My poor mother. She's trying to explain the situation. <laughs> and uh, dad was acquainted with the cop that came through the VA. They were both veterans. And so my dad was let off with a very stern warning. <laughs> Just a, a very stern warning. And, like you put uh, a boot on someone's neck, you get a stern warning. <laughs> well, of course, you know. And then uh, Muhammad's parents, they lived a few streets over. They came by with some of the most amazing Afghan dessert. Oh, my God. His mom made some of the, like, some of the most incredible dessert. And she brought it over. And dad, um, 
dragged the grill out because my father loved two things, cigars and grilling. And um, because there was, you know, a Muslim family close in the neighborhood and dad would often um, just have cookouts where people, you know, doesn't matter where you were coming from. You could just walk up and ask for a plate and dad would make you a plate. So he started spending the extra money. And, you know, this is when we still had the extra money to spend. He'd go to uh, a halal butcher. And, you know, that's, you know, um, because I, you know, the family was, they kept halal, which I don't know the specifics of it, but I know it is a certain way that Muslim meat is prepared. So, but, you know, it, it's, I, I can only assume it's, it's similar to like having something be kosher. But, you know, so he even tried to make sure that, you know, there was food everyone could eat. There was, I, I don't think we had anyone who kept kosher in the neighborhood, but he still bought Hebrew nationals all the time. Sidebar, Hebrew nationals are delicious. They're all beef hot dogs. <laughs> but, I mean, so this is just kind of the random shit my dad would do. And, like, this, I I know it sounds like I am just pulling shit out of my ass. <laughs> like... Like, I know it sounds like this stuff is almost too fantastical to be true, but, like, my dad was almost too fantastical to be true. Like, so, tangent after tangent after goddamn tangent, but, you know, my dad, <laughs> looping as back, far back as I can, my dad wanted me to know for certain that a hero's skin color didn't matter. A hero's religion didn't matter you know even i'm sure he would have done this but a hero's you know gender identity or sexuality wouldn't have mattered what mattered to about a hero was the fact that they saved people they protected those who could not protect themselves so and kind of you know i feel like i can combine these next two points and point number six i will be talking about i know we might have to cut this short but i will be talking about point number six. Oh no <laughs> that's why yeah you, you boys can scroll up and put it in all caps no i see it i saw it earlier that's why i started cracking up when you when you put it in the, in the damn show notes yep <sighs> but um the character that i arguably love the most it's kind of neck and neck between batwoman and wonder woman most of the time uh but i think we can mostly say that my favorite superhero is wonder woman and believe it or not it is my mother's fault impressive because um dad was starting to show me his comic books and you know it was a lot of you know superman and fantastic four and yada 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 and my mom stuck her head out one day and said if you're gonna make her read these things can you at least find one with a woman because my mother is a was a very staunch second wave feminist I was not allowed to watch Disney films, Disney princess films growing up because she didn't want me to get the opinion that I needed a man to come save me. Wow. I was not allowed. I, I still, I, as an almost 30 year old woman, have never seen The Little Mermaid. Wow. You really don't I, need to, if we're being honest. You don't need to. I mean, I went back and watched like, Snow White and Cinderella as classic cinema much, much, much older. Because, you know, um, my parents, they loved art. And mom liked the, um, just the stylistic beauty of Snow White. But, no, I, I don't think I've ever seen Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I got to read all the fairy tales instead. And let me tell you, The Little Mermaid is fucking horrifying. Oh, yes, it is. With her bleeding yes, feet. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to watch Mulan because she was a woman who fought. 
Yes. Um, I got to watch The Lion King because animals, like the ones that had animals, like Robin Hood, The Lion, you know, those those were fine. Um, uh, inexplicably, I got to watch Aladdin, and I think that's just because my parents like Robin Williams. <laughs> and I th- I vaguely remember Jasmine having a tiger. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that's why too. But yeah, those were the only well, two. Like- to be fair, Jasmine was kind of like a, a slip in Disney princess because the movie is about like how Aladdin like woos her. Yeah. So she's kind of like a consequential character. And I think my dad also really just liked the book. Uh, oh God, what is it? A thousand, one, thousand and one Arabian Nights, or is it two thousand and one? Something but like that. The the larger collection of stories that Aladdin is from. Dad also just really liked that book. Uh, I got to watch Hercules. I like Hercules. 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 I didn't get to watch Tarzan because I don't think my mom likes Phil Collins. Phil Collins is awesome. He went so hard on that soundtrack. For he you. did that for us. <laughs> he did that for us, Mary. He didn't have to do it. He did it for us. He fucking did it anyway. Oh. But, you know, my parents leaned very hard into, like, um, you know, obviously pre-Disney Pixar films and, um, like, DreamWorks. They love Trek. But, so I wasn't, I actually wasn't allowed to consume a lot of this media. The first time I actually saw Beauty and the Beast was when my high school did a musical of it and I stage managed it. I still have never seen the film. Just don't watch the Emma Watson version because it's a little rough. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, to but, be fair, if you're an adult watching a Disney princess movie as a new experience, it's all going to be a little rough. <laughs> but that should tell you uh, the unholy shitstorm of media consumption that my childhood was. Honestly, yeah. if I wasn't so sure that I was gay the day I was born, it would have been my dad and the things that, you know, he watched. Because I watched Cena a lot as a kid. I watched, you know, the Linda Carter Wonder Woman show as a kid. Uh, Dad watched Buffy. Um, Really, uh, oh, uh, what was it? Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal. (laughs) Both my parents liked Allie McBeal. Mom liked that it was a show about powerful lady lawyers, and Dad liked it was a show about ladies. Um, But, uh, so, yeah, just a lot of women in my house from two very, very different perspectives. So I think that might be how I ended up gay. (laughs) <laughs> but so mom demanded that if i was going to read his comic books that there had to be a woman you know and yo okay so mary what disney princess movie have you not seen because like i want to i want to hear your like super like de Beauvoir reading feminist perspective <laughs> on a fucking disney princess movie <laughs> i told my my mom hard wave a uh, hard second wave feminist she actually marched on washington for the equal rights amendment that should show you how hard she went i told her that you were reading de Beauvier, and she went good good for him <laughs> and i said well travis has a daughter and she went good for her <laughs> So you have my mom's crazy 70s, 70s feminist seal of approval. Sick. I can get down with 70s radicals. They got shit done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I found, I was going through, I was looking for something. 
in my mom's dresser because my parents' dressers were just like, you know, it was kind of like going on an archaeological dig. You never knew what era of time you were going to find something. I think I found my mom's like free Angela Davis, you know, uh, her one of her like free Angela Davis buttons. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like, that's how hard my mom went. I don't, I actually don't think she ever like fully got into Gloria Steinem though. She did not like Betty for Dan. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Just critiquing my mother's feminist taste. Um, and, and you were upset earlier thinking she was going to listen to this and you're still going? <laughs> well, I mean, you know. She's going to throw a fit. <laughs> I mean, my mom's no shrinking flower. Hey, mom, fuck you. Um, so there you go. And I'm sure I will get a phone call of fuck you too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, the swearing, it comes from my mother. Interesting. I was a teenager and I had said fuck. I think I was about 15 and I said fuck in some sentence. And my mom sat me down and she said, now, God damn it, Mary, you will not fucking swear in this house. And she just stopped. And my dad started to laugh his goddamn ass off and my mom just walked away. Because That's they fantastic. knew there was. Yep. You will not fucking <laughs> swear in this house. And whoop, that didn't last. I was, I was cleared to swear as long as I didn't say fuck. <laughs> but um so dad went, he, you know he would try to point at various women in comic books and mom said that's not what i mean and you know that so he grumbled and went and bought a bunch of you know scrolled like the dollar bin and bought a bunch of old perez wonder woman issues and even some robert kanger god help me um and the first issue of Wonder Woman that I got, it was one where she, because it used to be that Wonder Woman would lose her abilities if she was chained up by a man. Very subtle, I know. And what? in, in yes, that's a, in a Rob, uh, William Malton Marston's um, original thing, and it carried all the way through to a crisis, is that Wonder Woman would lose all of her powers and abilities if she was physically chained by a man. Travis, do we need to do a Wonder Woman episode? Because it seems like you don't know any of the stuff that we talked about with you previously all of a sudden. See, we have not talked about this because yes, I we've we talked no. about her we've being a dominatrix. Before. I don't we've remember. Talk, we, we've talked about this, this before several times. I blame the weed. <laughs> but I mean, and, and, admittedly, these are some very uh, some some early points that DC has admittedly done a lot to try and cover up. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because they're ashamed of it, but because the references themselves are dated. Like, you know, the Wonder Woman losing her powers if she's chained up by a man is very powerful imagery from, you know, the 30s through to the 70s. Because Wonder Woman, H.G. Peter, the original artist for Wonder Woman, designed the character breaking the chains of the patriarchy, if you will, based off of suffragette artwork in the early 1900s and 1920s. So there are very specific reasons why some of these influences are there. But so she gets chained up by this evil man and realizes, wait, he's just an android and, you know, he's a robot. So she breaks out and whoops everybody's ass. I thought that that had been lost and I actually found it going through a bunch of my old dad's books. And so it was just kind of a very strange moment. But um, so he went out and he bought a bunch of uh, Perez issues and we'd sit down and I'm like, oh, it's the TV show. And he went, yep. And so we'd go through <laughs> and he'd talk about it. And, you know, Perez's Wonder Woman run is very, um, it's probably the best run. And y'all know how much I love Greg Rucka. Yes. Uh, let me just put it, Rucka builds off of Perez's greatness. 
And, you know, he goes through, like, see, you know, she can still, you know, you can still, you know, be a woman, but also rip these people in half kind of a thing. And he used that and he compared it a lot to Xena, which, again, I've watched a lot of Xena. Oh, my God, <laughs> I'm lesbian. I, I feel like I had to hope. Dad, you did this to me. He you know, really didn't have a choice. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a scene. Have either of you seen Under Siege? it's a movie with steven seagal about a uh, it's either a ship or yeah it's a ship that gets taken over by terrorists or whatever and it's like tommy lee jones tommy lee jones and like greg Busey. and um that sounds like some 90s late 80s early 90s action cringe it, it is and admittedly, the final scene, the, the final battle is a knife fight between like 90s Tommy Lee Jones and 90s Steven Seagal. But oh. there's, there's a character who I, I think she's a stripper, but she pops up, you know, she's do, doing the whole supposed to pop up out of a cake and ends up in a gunfight. Yeah, I, she was always my favorite and I never really knew why. Now you do. Titties, that's why. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Oh, please don't. Oh, this is fun. This. But, um, and, you know, it was doing the whole scene, you know, you can still, essentially, they kind of used it to counteract the typical, I'm using air quotes here, but princess narrative. And admittedly, there are a lot of, you know, women my age, slightly older, whatnot, that, you know, do take offense to that notion sometimes that, you know, they, Victoria, for example, watched Disney princess films and, you know, she doesn't feel like that she was, you know, subversely, like, message that she had to wait for. Like, she's just as gay as I ended up, you know? Mm -hmm. But, so I'm just coming at this from the perspective of which my parents viewed it, is that, um, because, you know, whenever I say that, you know, oh, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch Disney growing up, I get a lot of people like, oh, well, you know, insert female relative or myself watch Disney, but I also did this. Like, you know, it's fine. Like, that's just my mother's perspective. Like, it doesn't make her any more right or them any, you know, them wrong, you know. So that's just the uh, way that my parents were coming at it. And, um, you know, dad would basically say, look, you can still be a princess and a warrior and be a Xeno warrior princess. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Very clever. And um, so he, you know, he kind of mushed all that together for me. And I think that is the root of my Lucy Lawless would have been the perfect Wonder Woman thing comes from. Oh, definitely. Like, 1990s Lucy Lawless as Wonder Woman. Yes, I need that. that. I would have been baller. I will, I will go back in time and make it happen. Bro, no, no, just give her an animated role. Like, like dead ass. Just right. give her an animated Wonder Woman and roll with it. But, and, you know, so, you know, naturally that spread out to the other Amazons. I really liked uh, Philippus, Hippolyta, Nubia, Artemis. Um, really liked Artemis. What is it with me and redheads? I think it was comic books because, you know, Artemis, Poison Ivy, Batgirl, Batwoman. But, you know, so naturally, I really latched on to all of the other Amazons because they were all super dope in their in their own rights. And I think that is why I attached myself so hard to um, Wonder Woman and to the mascara, because what George Perez's run does right is that it's not just Wonder Woman. It is all of the mascara. So you have a lot of different characters. And this is where I actually get frustrated with current 
with more modern Wonder Woman narratives is that it's just Wonder Woman, and that's why Steve always has to tag along. Damn, Steve. Because, you know, they've removed a lot of other Themyscira influence. And see, here's the thing. I don't like Steve and Diana because for the longest time, that's not what it was. It was, you know, in George Perez's, you know, the the run that he established, Diana's like, you're cool, but no, thank you. Like, Steve Trevor was married to Etta Candy. Like, it bothers me so much. We gotta have Steve and Diana doing the thing. Otherwise, they'll think she's not straight. Admittedly, that's why I'm also not really a fan of, like, gay Etta Candy, is because, like, in my mind, she's still married to Steve Trevor. <laughs> that's valid. But, I mean, but I know that that, and, you know, myself as a lesbian, a lot of people think that's a very strange uh, uh, stance to take. But, um, and I feel like the whole my dad and Wonder Woman thing, I feel like that's really self-explanatory. I also think he just really liked the costume. Mm. Yeah, my my dad was a man. <laughs> no, he liked uh he he just enjoyed women in all of their facets. But um oh god, my computer screen shut off. But oh, no. so I I you know Wonder Woman is obviously very self-explanatory. You know, he used that to say, look, you know, girls can be superheroes too. Or just because this character is a girl doesn't mean that she can't also be a hero. And there were lessons about, and you know, this was a conversation that would have been very relevant at the time. Because it's really only until recently has, you know, the what female, what lady heroes wear in comic books actually take off beyond feminist circles. And so there were conversations about various outfits of, you know, like Black Canary and Wonder Woman and yada yada. You know, it was basically just armored bikinis and fishnets. So there were conversations about that because, you know, it would have been very easy for me to look at that and develop body image issues. Now I just like food and don't like to run. So that's a... What'd you say? So that's relatable. Yeah, and it and it's the conversations themselves at this point are actually quite dated because some of the costumes that these characters were haven't been the same for better on twenty years now. Yeah, that's true. So obviously, the conversations are still valid without a doubt. It's just those specific conversations I had with my dad in like two thousand and one probably aren't. You know. Uh-huh. But, um, dad actually, um, uh, took, seem, uh, took paper towel rolls and an old thing of yellow rope that he had, and he spray painted the paper towel rolls gold and gave me, like, this yellow camping cording or whatever, and so I got to run around and play Wonder Woman. Um, I was Mary Marvel for a few Halloweens because Mary. Oh, that's and, very funny. And he painted a, like, little Shazam shirt for me. That's gotta drive you nuts that, like, Mary Marvel is just perpetually stuck to her sibling's hip now. Right, it does bother me. Um, but, oh, he, uh, my parents were big Doctor Who fans in, you know, obviously the 60s and 70s and whatnot. And there were numerous VHS tapes that had a lot of Tom Baker Doctor, because that was my mother's favorite. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we had a dog. And I really liked Sarah Jane. So my poor father took like a cardboard box and did some shit to it and wrote like canine, canine on the side and let me put it on the dog so I could run around and pretend to be Sarah Jane and Bjorn had to be canine. And this poor dog just looked miserable the entire time. He's like, why? Why are you letting this happen? I am wearing a cardboard box. So, I mean, that's just kind of the stupid nerdy shit my dad used to do for me. Um... Moving on to the next point, because unfortunately this episode, it's just Mary rambles because she misses her dad. This was planned? This is It's true. But uh, the X-Men were another big, 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 big figure in my house. My mom actually had a few X-Men comics. Uh, Mom mom really liked um, God Loves Man Kills. Oh, really? Why? What the fuck? uh, It was the 80s. Mary's mother, we need to have a conversation. She would in James. That you don't want to meet that woman in a dark alley. I, I I would show you so many better X-Men comics than God Loves Man Kills. I could show you I could show you the world. I could show you so much better. James, oh god. If my dad couldn't in all, you know, the 30 plus years my parents were together, couldn't get her to pick up more than two comic books, I don't think you could. Because she had a copy of God Loves Man Kills, um, the Camelot 3000 single issues, and a short uh, Madame Xanadu run. And those were the books that she had. The rest were my dad. But, um, but so no, the X-Men were a very present figure in my house. And, you know, we watched, um, I had VHS recordings of the cartoon because, um, I was a little too young, you know. It, <laughs> I want to say it went off the air in 92. This but... is the... <laughs> X-Men the Animated Series. Yes. We had, So there were a lot of VHS recordings because I have a brother who's nine years older than I am. So we had mountains of VHS recordings of like Thundercats and Transformers and He-Man and X-Men. Thundercats are loose. So I watched a lot of Thundercats. So much Bro, Thundercats. But see, like what I need to do, what I need you to do is to find the 2011 Thundercats, and that way you understand what good culture is. Because see, mm, I I hear you, James, but don't like, do this, with, Travis. Don't do this with, without Mumra being like, nah, <sighs> you don't get the other. Stuff. Exists, but, but, Mumra but, but, lives. But, but but Travis, Kevin Michael Richardson is Panthro. Like just just I'm come not with me. With you. I come loved with that. Me. I loved that Thundercats, and I watched like it religiously. Thick, like thick ass James, black man. James, I watched Panthro. that Thundercats. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I was in college. <laughs> I watched it. As Lionel was epic as fuck. Oh my god! I just Cheetara was my favorite. God damn it, Dad. <laughs> oh oh god! Yep. And such, so much GI Joe, so much GI Joe. As long as it wasn't oh. Sigma Six, that's all that matters. Because Sigma Six was horrible. No, James, this is like I'm talking like the Hasbro I, I, shit I, I, from the. I, I, I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm just being a smartass because, yeah. like, I, I have a boner hate, like, I hate boner for Sigma Six. Because, because it was it was Hasbro's way of going. Hey, what are those kids like? The animes? We'll pay a Japanese company to make an anime of Joe, and it was horrible. The animes? Oh, <laughs> look, look, 
Google it. Google it. G.I. Joe Sigma 6. It, it literally has Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh! as the voice of Duke. It has Mei from Pokemon as the voice of, of Scarlet. And it is the most cringy-ass shit you will ever fucking watch. It, oh, my. Oh. All right. To the Google we go. <laughs> the See, I, I the original anime. The I original G.I. Joe movie. The one that had, oh, God, Serpentor. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was the original G.I. Joe movie. We had it what on VHS. <laughs> and the opening credits were just this big, like, it was just America thrown at the screen. Sometimes my dad would put in the VHS just to watch, like, that opening three-minute montage. And then he would rewind it and put it back. That's hilarious. Do you guys know how dope we were in the 90s? We had a VHS rewinder. Bro, I had a rewinder too. I love that fucking was thing. Was it a little car? I had a little car. <laughs> no, it was it was just a basic one, but we had a VHS rewinder. I, I, I had a car one too, Travis. We, we even had the cleaner tape that you could put in the actual VCR. Yeah. Oh, God. And then there was Maybe. fucking Shusha. Shusha? Shusha. It was a kid's show. I don't, was... I don't know what Shusha is. From what I understand, uh, it was a Brazilian kids show that had a brief run in the United States that they tried to do an American variant of the show. And she was a very attractive Brazilian model. And my dad always made a chance to watch, made made a point to watch Shusha with me. What was it like X-U-X-A? Yeah, Shusha. What the fuck am I looking at? Oh my god, this is garbage. One Sigma Six, yeah, bro. What? But like, no, he he's still stuck on Sigma Six, and I sent him oh, down the, the, the four, I sent him down the four kids rabbit hole, and now he's like scarred. Why would you do this to Travis? What did Travis see? You? I'm so glad I watched like, and I hate to be the guy to say this because I normally shame people who say this, but I'm really glad I grew up with real anime. <laughs> but, 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 you know, like Travis, this Old was man in the Travis this, this, makes this, an appearance. Well, no, like this was in the era where like four kids was trying to license anything they can get their hands on, like One Piece, Shaman King, Yu Gi Oh, Pokemon, whatever the fuck. And they were like, "We're gonna make our own GI Joe," and it was it was so oh, bad. that it that was, hurts it, me. Yeah. yeah, see, I would rather watch Code Lyoko eight times over. Yeah, Code Lyoko was the French tra- taking a stab at, at anime, and it was fucking amazing. I it was actually like pretty, it. except for everyone having giant heads, it was pretty good. That's no, why I no, couldn't no, get into it. The heads were way too the, big. The heads were perfect. The heads were glorious. Like, everybody but the gym teacher had a giant head, and I loved it. Like, it was hilarious. I hated the heads thing, I'll be honest. <laughs> hey, like, you know what was the best weird attempt at anime? What? Totally Spies. Yeah, man, yeah, go, I go, go, Totally go, Spies go, heavy. They had an Alfred, a legit whole-ass Alfred. Hey, his, his name was Jerry, and you will respect him. He, yeah. he, he fuck that. Jerry is Alfred's Jerry like, was, No, he wasn't cousin. Alfred. He was Charlie. He, like, he was his cousin. He, no, no, he wasn't Alfred. He was Charlie. He was like basically just Charlie's yeah. angels in person. Like, it's what it was. Like, like Jerry was watched, a G. I just realized we watched a lot of, you know, like that those two Charlie's Angels movies. God Played damn it, Prodigy Dad. All the time. Realizing, I, okay. like I'm just realizing as a child, I consumed a lot of like media that had very powerful women, mm-hmm. and yeah, I see yeah. what you were getting there, Dad. Yeah, and and then you watch Demi Moore shoot the three of them. Oh, <laughs> wow, what is it? The opening scene of Full Throttle where she shoots Bruce Willis, and it was like mm-hmm. around the time of their divorce. Yep. Yeah. That shit was wild. And, and, and then Bernie Mac rolls in like, yo, what's up? And I'm like, bro, too soon. Yeah. You ain't never heard of no uh, Black Irish. 
Oh God! So I Mary, will say this. <laughs> complete tangent. Go for I it. don't trust people that don't like Lucy Liu. I just I don't trust them. Well, now we have Lucy Liu coming out and speak and speaking ill on um fucking what's his face and like calling him out for uh what happened. Now every like white person is throwing shade at Lucy Liu right now, and it's like what the wait fuck? wait 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 what's happening? I love her. You, you didn't you didn't hear about this? No. Oh god. Who's hurting on. her? Did she do something? Oh god, so, I can't survive oh, if she did hold, hold on, hold on. So um what's his face? Um Ghostbusters, Osmosis Jones, I can't think. Who's the one that like everybody fucking hates or like like loves? Oh yeah, Bill Murray. Bill Murray uh, apparently was like creeping the fuck on on Lucy Lou during the first Charlie's Angels, and because he wouldn't show up certain days, they rewrote certain scenes that way he wasn't there. And apparently he, like, threw a lot of shade at Lucy because of it. And she, like, came out and spoke on it. And now every white person is, is mad at her now. I mean, I will... I'm going to be honest with you. Like, out of all the old celebrities, I expect Bill Murray to have creeped on a lot of people. He just gives yeah. that energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, the fact that it was Lucy Liu, like, man, fuck. God damn it, Bill. God damn it, Bill. I will, I will run out and I will. Lucy, I've got you. Don't worry. <laughs> Right, I will back Lucy over Bill, but fuck, dude, that's a lot of movies I won't be able to watch anymore. <laughs> right. right. <coughs> so, Mary, anyway. what, I need you to explain your hatred of Warlord. Uh... Oh, God. Oh, God. Now, now we're, we're talking about the same Warlord, right? Like the, the DC Warlord? Yes, Travis okay. Morgan. Okay, cool. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure. Uh... Okay. Okay. My dad's favorite comic of all time was fucking warlord and when the bathroom when that pipe broke in the bathroom the bathroom flooded that was the only (laughs) that was the only book to survive in its near entirety i have over a hundred issues of that book that i can't emotionally part with that is my dad's ultimate fuck you It's like, oh, I'm going to die and leave y'all sad and shit, but guess what? You can't get rid of these. And it's just because it, he would make me read Warlord just to be a, to be an asshole. And I, I never really got into the story. And it was just always really super boring, and he just kept making me read it, and I started to, to develop a vendetta, because I'm like... 11 and i don't want to read warlord i want to read like green lantern or wonder woman and he's like no you have to read this read warlord <laughs> you have you to know? have the ghetto shit you can have the good shit <laughs> yeah so you know how and i'm sure you know you both are certified men people um, I'm looking at yeah. Warlord right now, and I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, Warlord was definitely one of those niche books at DC back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. and it really... did it pull this man straight out of the frames of the '80s like animated movie Heavy Metal because that's what he fucking looks like. I, hey, I, I mean, I, lo- I love Heavy Metal. Oh God, well, Tarna, we... yeah. dude, fucking Tarna. Yeah. My mom actually said there was a an an, an underground uh, movie theater here in in town and she said that she and her friends got really high and went to see heavy metal (laughs) that's awesome we had it on vhs actually i always forget that warlord had like more runs of books in like the early 2000s oh yeah but because it had such legendary talent like ron randall and mike grell attached to it it went on for it went on for fucking ever 
Did you get your dad the Convergence uh, Tony Daniel cover with Warlord on it? I, there's a very specific story about that. Really? Yes. Because I was working, now, just for clarity's sake, I don't actually give, like, I don't actually hate Warlord for any particular reason. It's just like, you know, that one thing your parents really like and they make you do, even though you don't really want to, that's Warlord. Like camping. Yeah. Like, like you know, camping. You don't like camping? The fuck? No, no, no. It, it, it's the stereotypical thing that like dads do to kids. They take them camping, and then, and then the kids end up hating camping the years later. Eh, okay, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, that that that's me and Warlord. And now that he's gone, and I'm sad and miss him and shit. Now I can't get rid of them because like, oh, they were dads and he loved them, and I'm like, god damn it. So you know where they are? They're in a box in a closet downstairs. <laughs> oh, your pops got you from beyond the grave with that. That's fucking hilarious. I love and, that. It's <laughs> my dad. But no, there's actually a very specific story about Warlord's appearance and convergence. And if you are unfamiliar with the DC Convergence event or even just Warlord in general, Warlord had really fallen out of publication for many moons. It was published briefly in the early 2000s, I think, but the book didn't really last. And um, it never really captured that kind of popularity that it did when Grell and Randall and, and company were on the book. Mm-hmm. So when they pulled the evil wizard from Convergence out of, you know, evil wizard from Warlord out of their hat for Convergence, needless to say, it was the biggest hit out of left field DC could have come up with. Honestly, yeah. You're right. And so you have Travis, you know, the Warlord's name is Travis Morgan and his girlfriend, whose name I don't remember, his wife. I don't know. They had a baby, I think. She basically just looks like Red Sonia. But, um... Mm. Uh, Travis ends up giving his life to try and stop the evil wizard from doing some comic book shenanigans and ending the multiverse. Damn, Travis, good job. And, you know, it's a very emotional, very sacrificial, honestly, quite a gruesome death. And at this point, this would have been about, what, 2015 or so? Something like that, yeah, 2015 was when Convergence started. My dad, due to the brain degeneration and the dyslexia, had, quite frankly, lost his ability to read at that point. Um... So, like, he could see the words and kind of piece them together, but his brain, you know, they just really couldn't make the connection. Like, if it was, like, on a billboard and shit, he could easily make that out. But having to try and, you know, look at the comic book, all of pieces, like, so it just kind of fell apart. So I grabbed the issue. First of all, we were unpacking the books. I saw him on the cover and I went, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) So then I open it up and I see fucking Warlord, you know, Travis Morgan in the comic and he's all dying and shit. I'm like, God fucking damn it. (laughs) So we swung by my parents' house after work that day and I had the issue with me. It's just the the day it released. And um, I, you know, we walked in, said our hellos and I showed dad the issue and he went, oh, cool, Warlord. And I said, okay. Then I opened up to the pages and I explained the event a little bit. And I showed him the thing and I said, okay, insert evil wizard is, you know, trying to destroy the multiverse or whatever. And Travis is trying to stop him. And Travis's death in Convergence kind of slows things down just enough that, you know, the other heroes can do some shenanigans. Look, the easiest way to describe Convergence is shenanigans. Like, it's, it's like, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to cover Convergence at some point, at least in a small amount, because it'll it'll be on the episode where I'm, I'm thinking, mm, we're going to say episode 70, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the in the in the, in the planner. Whenever episode seventy hits, as long as it's not Christmas, uh, James is gonna explain why he hates the new fifty two, and we're gonna go through it. So we're gonna say episode seven. Actually, seventy five. Seventy five. Seventy five is the perfect number. It is the perfect quintessential. Yes, seventy five. We're gonna do the, the why James hates the new fifty two. Convergence in a nutshell was publication of the New 52 had become so hectic at that point, they literally had to pull the entire multiverse together to try and fix it. Or, you know, they were moving offices, so they needed to just buy themselves time while they moved offices. What makes Convergence um, uh, significant in terms of publication is that there were 42-issue tie-in books. Mm -hmm. And some of these... Some of these characters had not been published in decades, and some of these characters will probably never be published again. Probably not. So, anyway, that's what makes the event significant. But I have the issue open, and I'm showing my dad, and he's looking at the artwork, and he kind of, he gets this little smile on his face. And he's turning the page, and he sees the uh, the page where Travis dies. And he gets really emotional. And, I mean, dad didn't cry much, but he would get misty at times. And he just got really misty and choked up. And he looked down at the issue and said, boy, Travis. Hey. Wow, that was two totally different, like, male responses there. Oh <laughs> right. But no, he just said, boy, Travis. And then he handed me the book back. I love that so much. Yeah. So, so how, how you want to wrap this one up? You, you deserve the, the right to wrap this one up. Oh, God, I don't know. Um... Comic books can be used for a multitude of reasons. It's not just escapism. It's not just, you know, bad guys getting beat up by good guys. You know, they can be used for deeper meanings. And my dad used comic books to teach me philosophy, to teach me, um, you know, morality. Not like gross religious morality, but like ethical morality. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he did so much with them and made them an integral part of my life. And, you know, I sit here surrounded by comic books and comic paraphernalia. And that's because of him. Oh, bonus story. Just real short bonus story. <laughs> Go for it. How I came out to my dad. Yeah. I, I don't know if any of you knew this, but I am a certified homosexual. Oh my gosh, we didn't know. I know. Wait till my wife finds out. <laughs> but um i was 18 this is my senior year of high school he and i had gotten into a fight about something and i'm sitting on the couch we're in the living room he's in his chair mom's in hers i'm on the couch which was directly across from them mom is sitting there trying to get us to stop yelling at each other and you know i truthfully i do not remember what we were fighting about but you know this was one of the few times i actually barked back against him because you know someone with marine corps discipline it is very hard to argue with them and i just blurted it out i said i'm gay and dad looked at me dead in the eye and went so you're still in trouble that's fucking great (laughs) and i and i lost it I broke down in hysterical thought. I had been terrified to tell him because my dad politically could be very conservative. And I fucking lost it. And my mom's jaw rolled off the floor because my mom knew I was gay a few years before dad did. And I begged her not to tell him. Like, you know, I just, I was afraid because, you know, all queer people, you're always afraid to tell at least one of your parents, you know? And, you know, my parents, you know, they were, they had tons of gay friends. They were very tolerant. But, you know, with some people, it's different when it's their kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the it's the 
wrong thing in my opinion but it is how a lot of people are is that it's different when it's family so um i i broke down sobbing my mom is her jaws on the floor and my dad looks scared and he looks over at my mom and goes should she not be in trouble like <laughs> it, it wasn't even the fact that he was gay he thought i was just that upset that i was in trouble and um he you know mom just kind of like there were words exchanged i was too busy crying and he just got up and he sat down next to me on the couch gave me a hug and uh long story short i was indeed still in trouble (laughs) it was really cute my dad was very awkward and there was one day where um i had gone up the stairs or something i'm standing at the base of the stairs he was letting me know that he was about to take the dog for a walk and he said you know um you I just want you to know that if you ever have like a, a friend or something you want to bring over, you you can do that. You know that, right? <laughs> and he was trying to tell me that if I had a girlfriend, I could bring her home. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not seeing anybody. He went, oh, okay, good. <laughs> he did not know how to talk about that stuff. Because, I mean, with my brother, that's one thing. Because my brother and I... Oh, have get him, son. My brother and I have different biological fathers. So my brother mm. was probably about six or seven when my dad came into his life. Oh. Now um to my brother my dad was his dad like there is no convincing him otherwise and but you know so we have the same dad if that makes sense you know but um and you know my brother's a man yada yada but i'm you know i'm the daughter i'm my brother's nine years older than i am a lot of people are actually really like weirded out to find out that i have an older brother but um I mean I like my brother, we just don't really have a lot in common. Don't worry, you got two better ones over here. No. I like Niels. I, I, I objectively like Nielsen probably a little more than I like the two of you. Oh! How <laughs> are you offended? He's family. Have you seen none of the Fast and Furious movies? None of them? Sir, have you not watched the Fast and Furious movies where they're none like none of them are related except for apparently now John Cena and Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel's sister? Like, come on, come on! Like, I haven't watched since Tokyo Drift, so I got to avoid all that. Like, honest, like honestly, bro, at this point, <laughs> like at this point, you and I are basically just Tyrese and Ludacris riding down Mary's like like story at this point. Like, come on, like this this is a thing. Wait, which one of you has to be Ludacris? Me. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, like he, he he objectively has to be ludicrous. Not, I'm the one who has to be Tyrese. It makes sense. Like, There's an afro and a baldness to designate what's yes. going on. Like, like, come on, like it's a thing. So, although it is weird that you got the street racer guy who was like organizing the street races, like now he's like hacker man. <laughs> right? It was so it's a weird transition. Like I don't know how they did that, but it's whatever. Um, but nah, in in general, um. That was that was that was basically like the the origin story that I've I've wanted to bring on the show for a long time of how one of the coolest motherfuckers ever created the one of the other coolest motherfuckers I know. So thank you for make almost making me cry twice. And it, thank you. It's, and it, it's hard, and I miss him. And um. You know, I, I'm I'm the one that ended up with his ashes because you know my brother has kids and mm-hmm. mom, I love you, mom. You probably would lose him. <laughs> mom also just doesn't have the like the display space for it. That, that's just that's just great though. <laughs> You're just like you would probably lose our father. 
mom would be the first to tell you that it would get put up somewhere and then my family has a my family has a you know know, like a condition where we put things up somewhere and then we can't find them for like six to seven years Mm -hmm. and um I'm fully convinced, like, I'm fully convinced my dad's going to turn into a poltergeist just to be an asshole. Like, going to start moving himself around the room at various <laughs> points. We're going to wake up. He's just going to be floating there. I love that. But it, it's hard, and I miss him. And I'm actually really glad I kind of got this opportunity to, I guess this is more or less a eulogy. That's why I'm calling it a, a memorial for a hero. Yeah. And you're going to deal with it. Oh, God damn it. And now you're going to make me fucking cry. <laughs> But a, a final, the, the final note I want to make is that uh, when dad did pass, there was some money, but um, funerals are really expensive. I don't know. If, yeah, we learned that the fucking hard way. That's why I just cremated my mom. I said, you ain't getting a funeral and you didn't want a funeral to begin with, so I don't care. Well, even then, even the cremation, it was because... We were in a bizarre position because we had to fulfill my dad's last request. And this should tell you more than anything the kind of man my dad was. Oh, dear. Um, dad had a degenerative brain condition. And um, research into something like CTE is sparse and it is difficult to do. And if you've noticed that when some of these old NFL players will kill themselves... They will hang themselves, cut their wrists, shoot themselves in the heart, basically leaving their brains undamaged so they can be used for study. And it was actually the last legal paperwork that my dad was able to sign himself was that he wanted his brain donated upon his death. Um, I believe it was Boston University that ended up getting it. And um, we didn't realize that... um, their current study might not, his brain might not have been eligible for their current study. So we were freaking the hell out thinking, oh my God, they're not going to take it. But they did end up taking it. They were very interested in um, the uh, the military, uh, the military-induced explosive trauma. Mm-hmm. And he had looked at my mom and, you know, I was there. He was telling us about the decision and he looked at my mom and said, make this fucking worth it. That, you know, if research, because what they do is essentially they take the brain and slice it up into really tiny, thin slices to look for at every single aspect of the brain. Wow. And even if it just means better padding on peewee football helmets, that will be enough for him. That's freaking So they had to fly somebody out from Boston to come and get it. And um, we got a donor card, and it takes about 8 to 12 months, so we won't know for still quite a long time, but they'll send us, like, an official diagnosis and whatnot. But oh. that that should tell you the kind of man that he was, that he went out of his way to find the proper study to donate his brain. And this wasn't just like, oh, I'm an organ donor. This was, he wanted this specifically done. So... I got to make the joke at the wake for the funeral that he was actually empty headed. Wow. They... I <laughs> mean, <laughs> Travis, you remember last week? She didn't give a fuck when it comes to jokes. So, like, we, we, should, we should expect nothing less. I, I, made, I made that joke to my mom, and I thought she was going to laugh so hard. And then she probably just got super angry, didn't she? No. Oh, God. No, not in my family. Okay. 
no 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 no. you know being a dick to each other that's how we say we love each other you know i take the time to give you both a really hard time mm-hmm. it's, be- it's because i love you guys and that's why victoria and i kind of have like that we have that jokey mean disposition to each other yeah it kind of concerns it- me sometimes oh god no 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 like it's, it's nothing like that it's just you know like my dad used to say if you know, I take the time to be a dick, that means I like you, you know? Right, last one for the night, okay? We have water now. <laughs> water is your best friend. It will keep yeah. you hydrated. You don't need 17 otter pops, okay? Yeah. What the fuck is an otter pop? Delicious. You know what an otter pop is? What? Okay, okay no, I'm, I'm on CC side now. What the fuck is an otter pop? Is it is this like the oh you, oh like the like the like the frozen pop things, bro? You realize how many generic names those things have? You realize how many like literally like uh, we, we Travis we grew up in the hood. We know these things have a million different generic names. They're how always otter pops. Oh my god. Anyway, um, Travis, I, I I I'm officially on CC side. Give her like nine more. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. So, Marion, thank you for this yeah. because I I needed this. Um, this was like like I've been waiting for this for like a like a Travis, few weeks did now. Did you really drop a link for Otter Pops in the Discord? God damn it! Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> folks, thank you for so much for tuning into this episode of Panel to Panel. Um, it it like it's definitely a tearjerker. It's definitely m- emotional for us. But um, next week we are diving head first into our 60th episode, and we have been saving this. For a juicy one. As you folks know, we have started a tradition in which it didn't start on um, the, like every 10th episode, but we're going to start making it every 10th or every 20th, whatever like whatever happens. It's a work in progress. But we're going to make it a regular thing that we roast a hell of, a, of, of, of an event, a book we don't like, something. Just and, like generally critically panned things. Like, yes. I, our cry for justice episode. Oh my god, that was so much fun. Like, for, like we've done cry for justice. We've done all star Batman and Robin cry the Boy Wonder. So we like, like, I'm like, still having nightmares about our stupid all star Batman and Robin. I tried, I tried <laughs> to give that book a literary look. <laughs> I, I tried to link it to the hero's journey, or like, you did. You did. Bro, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. Where, where? Where I need someone to point exactly where in the hero's journey, <laughs> fucking an ally while your enemies burn to death is a keep, part of the hero's we, 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 journey. I mean, we keep, we keep our masks on. I mean, like I even tried to like, okay, well, maybe it's a Greek tragedy. No, she tried so hard. It's an American tragedy. It's an American tragedy. Next week. <laughs> We are diving headfirst into one that the three of us have been holding off for a hot minute. Because we, because we have, like, like we we've talked about it before that this come this show comes off as a very primary DC DC, DC comics focused show, either DC or indie, because we cover a lot of indie like like Kickstarters and whatnot. But this time we are diving over to the red state, folks, because we are going straight into Marvel's most hated comic book event of the past twenty years, and we are talking about. Civil War 2 by Brian Michael Bendis. So, get ready for I that, I have <laughs> so much to say. Like, how do you single-handed like, like sure, maybe Rhodey died, but Carol's the one that got assassinated. Like, Bro, literally, you, like, no, how, like, like, how do you give one of the most powerful Marvel characters a Karen haircut, and then make her Karen throughout the entire continuity? 
But like, and the thing was, <laughs> she she rocked that cut. But the fact that you did her so dirty, like literally, the teaser for this episode is just the disrespect to Carol Danvers because they're like, we don't want to do Tony dirty. We have to make him the sympathetic person because of how he went in Civil War One. So we're gonna just character assassinate Carol Danvers and leave bodies next to her like Bruce fucking Banner. And it's just like, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there, folks. Don't forget, you can listen to this podcast on google podcast apple podcast stitcher radio spotify youtube app uh amazon music and audible.com you can listen to us on pandora and anywhere else you listen to your podcast except for soundcloud because we do not support soundcloud in this house uh you can follow us on what's up an everlasting hate boner for soundcloud we've addressed this multiple times soundcloud i know travis (laughs) travis says fuck you craig whenever we record and my thing is to talk about how much you hate soundcloud yes because soundcloud if you ever get off your fucking hate boner and stop trying to make people pay to put their stuff on your platform and just do what apple one of the big the biggest corporations in the fucking world just lets you do and put up your rss feed then we'll talk but until then fuck you soundcloud and from there uh uh, you can follow us on twitter at ptp underscore podcast we are always looking to add more people to our roster at on on comics ground or to our podcast network so if you have an idea for a show or if you want to be one of our contributors to write articles or reviews please let us know by shooting us a uh, twitter message or emailing us uh our email is listed on the twitter page so please make sure you check us out at at on comics ground and travis after that emotional roller coaster we have taken this evening what is your closing statement for this episode of panel to panel hey mary so (laughs) before we go and go our separate ways i have a question for you do you know do you know how to instantly make James freak the fuck out? Oh, oh no. tell me. Tell me, tell me, oh. tell me. <clears throat> Legend of the White Dragon looks really good, and I'm excited for Eric Reed to come out on screen. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's just he, he, ha- he has <laughs> so much. He's so mad that he can't be a Power Ranger anymore so people can suck his dick. So he has to make his own fucking franchise. It's so stupid. Oh, oh yes, he's still freaking out. <laughs> Travis, Travis fully dipped out of the chat as soon as he said that. <laughs> oh my god that was amazing thank you Travis uh, for, for those who don't know I've never co- co- covered it on panel to panel but me and Jason David Frank have a long talk ahead of us the day I ever meet him so um, so I am the, f- the first person who will say that he has effectively damned the Power Rangers franchise to never be fully successful because he refuses to get off his fucking high horse and realize there are better rangers than him in Power Rangers anyway hey he's a different up. ranger in Legend of the White Dragon he's not even a ranger. He's some random thing he made up off his stupid head. Anyway, Mary, James, this is do, your do episode. Do you want to be a feel-good story about Jason David Frank? No. No, never. no, no. You'll like, you'll like this one. You'll like this one. In the uh, Mighty Morphin movie reboot, which was incredible. Go fuck yourself, people. That movie was just as campy as it needed to be. Are you talking about the whole uh, thing where he got kicked from the theater? Yeah, he got kicked out of the theater because he stood up to try and film a reaction. They're like, um, yeah, no because, recording devices. Yeah, because he, he, like, he thinks he's, he's all that in a bag of chips that he needed to sit there and watch people see that he had his ponytail back. He's a fucking idiot. I was like, you know, I saw the scene and I'm like, oh, Amy Jo Johnson. And I'm like, wait, oh, okay, it's Jason David Frank. Okay. Yeah. I was more excited to see Amy Jo Johnson. Like, 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 like and then, and then, and like, this is the last, I'm gonna say this one real quick. This is my closing statement, by the way, because I'm letting Mary go last. It's her episode. But Jason David Frank, 
I think you were amazing in the first season of, of, of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I think you needed to shut the fuck up and get off my show after uh, when season two hit. And you lost your powers because in the Sentai, your character died. And the fact is, we can't kill you on a, on a Saban Brands TV show, but you could certainly have lost your powers and let somebody else come in. But on top of the fact, you thought you were so high off your horse and Saban let you stroke your dick that you needed to be the leader of the Power Rangers over the Red Ranger, even though every other uh, season in the franchise has made the Red Ranger be the effective leader. So you can kiss my black ass. And Mary, this is your episode. I'm going to let you finish. What is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? Trini was always my favorite because she was a yes. girl and didn't have to wear a skirt. Yes, and, and funnily enough, because, the, because her character was a man. <laughs> funnily, funnily enough, um, in the newest season, the the Green Ranger is a girl, and she has a whole scene where she lit, physically tears off her skirt, and all the, the white fanboys got so mad about it, and it's hysterical. But no, Trini was my favorite because she was a girl, and she didn't have to wear a skirt. Because I'm like, yeah, so Trini yeah. was my favorite. Um, my R- actual R-R-P-P-Train. closing. St- Oh, God, that breaks my damn heart. She was so young. Yes. But um, this was, it was nice. It's been difficult to talk about this and what he meant to me. And the the grief has been really overwhelming at times. And I'm looking into grief counseling and things like that. His nursing home actually offers grief counseling. And um, when he died and we had to leave the room, so the... um. CNAs could come in and clean up the body and whatnot. Um, Victoria and I, we stayed there all night and we were with him when he died. I had my hand on his chest and every time he exhaled, I told him I loved him. So that was the last thing he heard. And um, my mom, God love her, she got there about 30 seconds too late. Um, As we were leaving the room, one of the CNA stopped us and she said, I'm very sorry for your loss. And I want you to know that he was... He was deeply loved here by us and by the staff. So that's not just a platitude because he's gone. This is, We are hurting with you. And that's something I think about a lot because my dad was just, he was mentally ill. So there were rough times, but he was just a genuinely affable figure. And so much, he had the capacity for just so much love and I miss him every day. And I, God damn it. I'm really thankful to both of you that you let me have this opportunity and um to everybody that listened, thank you. I'm gonna go Love cry you, now. Love <laughs> you too. Love you so oh, much. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you folks listening to this episode of panel to panel we will be back next week f- uh, for after this sadness we will be going into straight rage mode talking about how Bendis turned Carol into a psychopath uh, so tune in for that episode of panel to panel folks peace out